Good morning. This is a reading from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Merry Christmas, everyone. You guys doing all right? You know the seats over here are just as good as those over here, right? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just take one step to my left this morning. All of you guys, sorry. This is the season of Advent, and it culminates on Christmas Eve. Throughout the season, we've been in a time of reflection, a time of remembering, a time of looking ahead. It's about looking back to Jesus' first Advent when he came into the world. And this Advent is a season where we're expectant, where we're hopeful, where we're longing towards something that's coming that's beyond us, that's not in our bones, it's not in our effort, it's something that we need that is outside of our effort, it's outside of who we are. And it all culminates in this Christmas Eve, the, the night before, the day before Christ comes into the world. We've lit candles throughout Advent each week. We started with hope, and then we moved to joy, and then we move to, no, we meant hope and then peace. Sorry, see, I get it wrong too, Sam. So Sam's going to be like, yes, you got it wrong too, Pastor. Hope and then peace and then joy and then love. And then this morning, we also light the Christ candle to signify that Christ, the light, has come into the world. Darkness has not overcome the light. Darkness will not overcome the light. The light of Christ remains shining throughout every season, throughout every high, throughout every low. He is always near, always close to us. We remember this moment when Christ came into the world. And right now we look at the world and we see that all is not right, but it will be. We look ahead when Christ will come again, when all things will be made new, when all things will be made right. And we long and we celebrate that. 
Throughout this season, we've been looking at some songs. It's been a Songs of Christmas series, and we've talked about a lot of fun songs throughout this. We started with God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, which is about everyone taking a nap, what you guys will all do this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon and throughout Christmas break. No, that's not what the song was about. It was a blueprint to the type of life that we're longing for, the type of life that we're hoping for. We, we long for all of Christmas to remain and to last, but we, we know that it's fading away, but yet God has given us a blueprint to that merry life, to that fulfilled life, and it's found by remembering who Christ is. In the second week, we looked at the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we talked about who Jesus is, that he is this God who has come into the world, and that we behold this Jesus who is the light of all mankind. And then last week, we talked about the song, Joy to the world. And we talked about how in this life right now, there are times when it doesn't feel joyful. There are times when it feels hard, when there's discouragement. But that song, Joy to the World, remind us that Christ is coming again. And then when that happens, when that day comes, all this longing, all of the things that aren't right now will be made right. And in that day, we will have complete joy, whole joy, triumphant joy. So that's where we've been throughout this series, and this morning we're, we're culminating it with this song, O Come All Ye Faithful. And this is a song that is uh, sung by a lot of different people, and maybe you're used to it in Latin. I'm not going to uh, exposit the Latin text of it this morning. You're all welcome for that. Uh, but it was written sometime likely in the 1700s. It has a wild history if you try and trace it, where people try and say all sorts of people wrote it. But most likely it was written in the 1700s. And like I said, it's a song that kind of transcends every denomination. It's used throughout uh, all kinds of denominations. It's used in the Midnight Mass at St. Peter's Basilica. And, and it's, I think, this perfect song to close out the series because it's about us coming about a God who came and us who come to him. It's about us coming to behold this Jesus as we celebrate him, celebrate that he came for us. So before we dive in, let's take a moment to pray. Yeah, we are so thankful So thankful for who you are. So thankful that you are a God of love. A God who doesn't discard us when we go astray. A God who doesn't cast us aside, but instead you are a God who comes for us. A God who loves us with an unfailing love. This morning, as we reflect on who you are, help us to, to fully embrace the newborn king. Help us to come and adore him. Help us to put aside everything else. All the other things that are competing for our attention and our love. And help us to adore the newborn savior. And we surrender all things to you right now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in this life, there are all kinds of things that are vying for our attention and our love. We have one of them in our pockets, 
And I don't know if you've ever looked at the screen time usage that pops up once a week, but it can be pretty terrifying. And one of the most terrifying things on it is how many times you pick up your phone in a given day. And when I look at that number, I'm just like, how on earth have I picked up my phone that many times? Well, the average American picks up their phones about 100 times per day. That's a lot of distraction in our lives. And with so much vying for our attention, so much vying for our love, I think it can be really hard for us to embrace the season that we're in. The season of looking towards Jesus and not looking towards everything else. You know, we, we need to be those kids who are bored sometimes, right? But instead, we're just constantly distracting ourselves with something else. And in this season, we need to take an intentional step back. An intentional step to look towards Jesus. Because I love this song that we're, we're talking about. It's this triumphant song, O Come All Ye Faithful, that, that's a sort of invitation towards us. An invitation towards a certain type of life, a certain type of person that we're supposed to to look towards. It's sort of this wake-up call for us. A wake-up call in the midst of our distraction, in the midst of everything else that's that's trying to get our attention. A wake-up call towards the thing that that towards the thing that truly matters. It's a call for us to come joyfully triumphant as we behold the one who is born the king of angels the one who is altogether different it's about looking towards this jesus and laying aside everything else laying aside all that hinders all that distracts and instead looking towards the only one who can save our souls it's an invitation to drop everything else that we're doing and to come adore the humble king It's good news of great joy for all people. That's what this season is about. That's what this song is about. And so we're going to go through this text in Luke 2, and we're going to talk about it a bit more and relate it to the song and ultimately see what it says for us today. Let's begin by reading Luke 2, verses 8 through 12 again. And there were certain shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, we've already talked about this text once during this series, but I think it's fitting for us to to remember it again. See, the Messiah has arrived in this moment. And it's this beautiful moment because all of Israel has been longing for this. They've been looking towards this. and, And all of a sudden, the news that the Savior, the Messiah, has come is announced. But it's not really announced to the people you would expect it to be announced to. It's announced to to lowly shepherds. That's who God saw it fit to announce the birth of the king who would come to make all things right. And we've already talked about the shepherds, so I'm not going to go into great detail about them. But the thing that I want to reiterate for us is the shepherds, they're not the high end of society. They're not the high class. They're the low class. They're those that are they're seen as untrustworthy, those who are looked down upon, and yet that is who God chooses 
to announce the good news of the newborn Messiah. And there's real beauty in this for us. There's great beauty in it because it shows us that God is a God who reaches out to the least of these. He's a God who reaches out to the outcast, the scorned, the reviled. The whole story of salvation is about God's grace and love being poured out upon those who do not deserve it and who cannot earn it. That's the whole story of salvation, and we see it so beautifully in this story of Christmas where those who receive the good news aren't the best and the brightest, aren't those who are the high class, but those who are the lowly shepherds. See, the story of salvation, the story of Christmas, it's about a God who's chasing after us, a God who is willing to step into our stories, a a God who is willing to provide salvation, not while we did everything right, but while we were dead in our trespasses, while we were his enemies. That is when God steps into our story. And so if that's who our God is, if that's what what Christmas is about, why does our song say, oh, come all ye faithful? Because last time I checked, the faithful are like those that you put in your mind, they're like the best of the best Christian, like that are always there early, who sit on the front row or the second row or something like that, that don't just sit on this side of the sanctuary, but you know. Why does our song say faithful? If God is a God who is chasing after the least and the last and the unwanted, why does it say, O come, all ye faithful? Well, the faithful are those who have a faith-filled response. Those who are trusting in what has happened and respond to that. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shepherd's shoes for a moment and see that you had received this news, okay? The angel has come. He's told you all of this. Now, could you have walked away? Yeah, you could have, but faith, the faithful response was to go to Bethlehem to see what the angels had proclaimed. The shepherds could have walked away. Now, they would have been dumb for walking away, would have been silly for walking away, but they could have walked away. Instead, they trust. They go and see the newborn king. They behold the newborn Jesus. And every single one of us who are are sitting here, we've been beckoned to behold Jesus. And it's up to us whether or not we're going to respond. And so the song, O Come All Ye Faithful, isn't saying, hey, you who have it all together, come. It's saying, you who want a faith-filled response, come. Your response makes you part of the faithful. But in order to respond this way, I think we need to understand what we're responding to. We need to understand who it is that we're supposed to respond to and why we should even faithfully respond in the first place. Why does this all matter? Why does Christmas matter? Why does Jesus matter? What is it about this Jesus who comes at Christmas that compels us to come and adore him? Isn't he just someone in the past history from long ago? What is so special about this Jesus? On our song, we sing that he is the one whom all glory is to be given. That he's the one who has born the king of angels. That he's the word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. There's something different about this Jesus. Something special. Something spectacular. Something awe-spiring. And so I want to read verse 13 and 14 
again. I want us to pay attention to what happens as the announcement of Jesus' birth is proclaimed. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The newborn Savior has been announced, and the whole cosmos rings out in exuberant praise in that moment. This Jesus that we're talking about, he's not just some historical figure. He's not just someone from time past who who deserves our, our paltry remembrance once or twice a year. He's the one whom the angels praise. He's the one whom the angels praise. The one who is exalted above everyone else. That is what Christmas is celebrating. It's celebrating this Jesus. That that should make us pause. It should make us consider. If that is what the angels do at the announcement of the Messiah, how should I respond? What does that mean for us? Who is this child? Who is this Jesus? Right before the angels sing the praises of their king, he's declared to be the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord in verse 11 of Luke 2. This is God himself coming towards us. Not a mere man. This is the ancient of all days. The one of whom it's said in Isaiah 9-6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are divine names. They're not the names given to a mere man. These are divine names. This is who has come. It is God himself stepping into our story. He's the word of the Father, now in flesh, appearing as declared in John 1. Let's read that together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then jumping to verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This Jesus is unlike us. He is God himself coming to our aid. He is divine, the one who is stepping into our story. And his splendor cannot be overstated can't be overstated of who this Jesus is. This this birth of Jesus, it's unlike anything else in history. It's the Son of God becoming a man so that men and women can become children of God. It's God himself stepping into our story so that our stories can be rewritten. So that we can no longer be stuck in our sin, in our shame, in our heartache, but so that we can be made new so that we can be reconciled to the Father. Jesus is not a good man who's been venerated. 
He's not a, a good man who, who history looks upon and says, yes, this was a great man and we shall celebrate him. No, he is the perfect son of God. He is the perfect son of God who humbled himself by taking on a mortal body. This is God himself coming for us. And this matters. This is important. This Jesus that we celebrate, we need to celebrate him rightly. We need to understand who it is that we're celebrating. There's another verse in the original, O come all ye faithful, that includes these words. God of God, light of light. Very God begotten, not created. This is who we're talking about who we're celebrating, who we're praising this morning. And these words in that verse that we don't typically sing in O Come All Ye Faithful, they're lifted right from the Nicene Creed. Nicene Creed is a a fourth century creed in the Christian church that, that solidifies and says that this is the true doctrine of who Jesus is. And so I want to read that to us this morning. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. There's a little bit more in there about the Holy Spirit, but since we're talking about Jesus, we're going to stop there this morning. See, Christmas is the most important event in the history of the world. It's the most important event in the history of the world. There's a reason that we measure time by it. And we can try and do common era or anything like that. But there's a reason that we measure time by Jesus coming into the world. Because it's at this moment that everything changes. Christmas is not about a cute baby in a manger. It's about the eternal God who stepped into our story. It's about God himself seeing our predicament seeing our sin, seeing our shame, seeing our proclivity to do the wrong thing, even though we want to do the right thing. God seeing that and not saying, I'm going to cast them away, but instead saying, I will come near. I will come to their aid. I myself will take on a mortal body. I myself will live the life that they can't seem to live. I myself will die the death they deserve. And I myself will rise up triumphantly from the grave so that all who believe in me shall have new life. That is what Christmas is about. That is what we celebrate at Christmas time. Christmas is about a God who drew near and made a way of salvation for his creation because of his great love. That's what Christmas is about. God himself has come to make our broken world right again. 
And at Jesus' arrival, God has begun that process of making all things new. And he will accomplish it. His promises are true. He will make all things new at his second arrival. And guess what? He wants to make you new as well. It's not just about mankind in general or or the world in general or creation in general. God wants to make you new. He came for you. Not just for everyone else. Not just for mankind in general, but for you. And that's something that I hope you hear this morning. Revelation 3.20 says this, Here I am, it's Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's what the gospel is about. It's about God coming towards you. God doing the work. God stepping into your story and saying, Come! Here I am. Here's my gift. Accept it. Receive it. You want to eat with me? Here I am. I've laid a feast for you. Receive it. Open up. Answer the door. Come adore Jesus. He's knocking at the door of your heart saying, I love you. I came for you. Receive my forgiveness. Receive my grace. Receive my new life. It's there for you. I have a question for you this morning. And this is like a response thing, so you can like raise your hand. How many of you wish that you could have something that you've done in your life erased? I don't have enough hands. We all do, right? There are all these things that we've done that we're like, man, I really wish I could do that over again. Like sometimes as I'm doing something, I want to do it over. I'm like, the words come out and I'm like, ah, give me those back. Like it happens to me on a, let's be honest, like an hourly basis. We all have these things that we want a do-over in. Well, here's the good news. That's what Christ offers. That guilt that you carry for that thing you did, 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago can be washed away in Christ. That's what the gospel is about. Why would you not drop everything else and open the door to the God who's knocking at the door of your heart saying, let me in. Stop striving. Stop trying to do the right thing. Stop trying to earn your way into heaven. Receive my grace. Receive my love. I've come for you. Don't reject him, friends. Don't walk away. Run to him as the shepherds did. That's what the shepherds did. As they hear the news that the Messiah has come, the Savior has come, the one who will forgive sins has come, what do they do? They take off running. Let's read it together in Luke 2, 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's stay here. Let's do nothing. Sorry, wrong translation. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they walked at a leisurely pace. No, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Yes, suddenly, as the angels appeared, the shepherds hurried off to greet the Savior. It wasn't news that they heard and received and said, yeah, I'll get to it someday. I'll go when Jesus is like 23. No, they hurried off. They hear the news of this newborn king and they drop what they're doing and say, let us go and see this thing that's happened. Let us go see for ourselves. Let's not take the word of the angels. Let's not take the word of someone else. Let's go and behold this Jesus ourselves. And when they do, they're forever changed. Their life is incredibly different. We don't know exactly what happens at the manger. We don't know exactly what that looks like. But we know that whatever the shepherds experience, it marks them forever. We know that they experience the hope, peace, joy, and love of the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah. And it does something inside of them. When they get back to their normal lives in verse 20, they have a renewed spiritual fervor. Something has changed. They can't help but glorify and praise God. Gone are the, the crude jokes that the shepherds would tell. We're just we're putting some stuff into the story. Gone is all of that, and new life has come. Instead of the, the bar songs that they're used to singing, now they're, they're singing praises to God. A profound thing has happened inside of them after beholding this Savior. See, when we experience God's love for us that is made known in the person of Jesus, we walk away forever changed. When we truly see this Jesus for who he is, when we truly understand what he has done for us, it changes us forever. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, well, yeah, if I had the angel like announcing this news to me and then suddenly a great company of angels start singing. And yes, if I got to go see Jesus for myself, of course, everything would be changed in my life. Well, we don't have that luxury, right? We don't have that luxury of getting to see and hear all that the shepherds did. And yet at the same time, We've seen a clearer vision. At the same time, we've heard a more beautiful sound. See, because we live on this side of the cross of Jesus. We know the story is true. We know what happens. We know the full story of the life that Christ lived. We know the full story of him being crucified of him even saying upon that cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We live on this side of the cross of Jesus. We live 2,000 years in the future where we can see everything that Christ has done and the, the, the arc of the story that happens because of this Jesus. We live on this side of the cross and we can see that everything has changed because of this Messiah. We can see it to be true if we'll only have eyes to see and ears to hear. We know that this baby Jesus born at Christmas time grew up 
and did all that was said about him. We know that he revolutionized the ethics of the world. You're like, well, that's a, that's a heavy statement. That's true. Human rights, the care of all people, these aren't the, the products of progress. They're the products of Jesus. They're the products of the way of Jesus. And historians will tell you that. Social psychologists will tell you that. Secular historians, secular social psychologists will tell you that Jesus changed the narrative arc of the world. That the reason that we believe and think the way we do today isn't because we're Americans in the 21st century. It's because of what happened in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. It's because of this Jesus. We know that this Jesus wasn't just born, but he performed miracles that he healed the sick. Non-Christian sources in the first and second century confirm these things. We know that even after he died a gruesome and publicly humiliating death, that his disciples continued to follow his way. They continued to follow after him. And again, non-Christian sources confirm this. We know that they continued Jesus' mission even though they too faced death. They were crucified, they were stoned, they were clubbed to death, they were boiled alive and then exiled to islands, all without ever lifting a finger in response, all without ever recanting the message. We know that this Jesus, the one born in Bethlehem, turned the world upside down. And so no, we don't get to hear the angelic hosts. No, we don't get to behold Jesus with our own eyes, but we can behold the long arc of history and see that this Jesus has indeed changed the world. That his way is the way that makes sense of the world around us. We just need to open our eyes. This Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he said he was going to do, and he will do what he promised. So come, all ye faithful, come and behold him. That is now our response. See, his offer of salvation is available to all, without prejudice of status, of origin, or even your sin. It's available to every single one of us. See, this Jesus stands at the door of every heart knocking, saying, Let me in. I come with great gifts of salvation, of new life, of forgiveness. He's come for us. This Jesus, he's the Lord of all creation. He's the one by whom all things were created. And yet he still loves you enough to leave his heavenly throne to come for you. He's transcendent and yet he's near at the same time. He's seeking after you, chasing after you. His birth is for you. His death is for you. His resurrection is for you. Don't let Jesus just be this nostalgic person from the past. Let Jesus be the Savior for you. Let Jesus be the Messiah for you. Come and adore him. Come and worship. Let this Christmas be the one where you embrace Jesus with new eyes. Let this Christmas be the one where you come and adore him for yourselves. I'm going to invite the the worship team to come back up. 
And as they come back up, I'm just going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Those are just the lights coming off. I know it's a weird sound. Didn't think that through. Jesus is worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your adoration. He's worthy of your surrender. This Jesus who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago is the great I am. The one who was before Abraham. The one who was before the creation of the world. He is the God who was, who is, and is to come. He's the God who humbled himself, who came for you, who took on flesh, who took on death upon the cross. And his hope, his peace, his joy, his love is available to you. It's available by grace through faith. Faith in the Jesus who came, who died, who was resurrected, and who will come again. God is pleased to come for you. He is pleased to give you new life. He is pleased to wipe away your sins and to proclaim that all you've done, every failure, every wrong thing, all those things you wish you could take back are gone in his sight because of what Jesus has done. He longs and desires to welcome you at his table. To say, you are my beloved child. That you are forever mine. And so the question is, will you respond to him? Will you receive him? Will you accept his salvation? And maybe you're here and you're like, I, I've never done that before and I, I'm ready to take that step now with no one looking around. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Maybe you're here. You've prayed to receive salvation before. You feel like you've never really surrendered all. Maybe you're not sure if you're even right with God or if God even likes you. If you're, if you're there and you're not sure where you stand with God, but you, you want to find out, will you raise your hand? Lastly, if you're here and you're, you're a Christian, then maybe you feel like you need a fresh reminder of that hope, fresh reminder of that peace, that joy, and that love so that you can come and truly adore him. If, that, if that's you, will you raise your hand? God meets us where we're at. The joy of every longing heart desires to make us new wherever we are. 